coming to you from a cozy little condo high atop old Fort Ward, Atlanta. Welcome, Welcome to The Ron Show on America One Radio. Here's your host, Ron Roberts. I don't know about you guys, but uh, the Monday after the Super Bowl is always one of the harder days to get any work done. I've been pretty productive today. I mean, I did get some real estate work done. Uh, I did some softball league stuff as well. Even cleaned the condo. A load of laundry, swept and mopped the floors, and uh, here it is. Uh, well, you're hearing this a little after five. I'm about an hour before getting this show done. I'm actually already two segments done already. You think I do this chronologically, and I just let you know that that doesn't actually happen. Segments two and four are already done. So here we are with segment one. Are you confused? I, I didn't want to make you that way. Anyway, welcome to The Ron Show. I'm your host, Ron Roberts. And uh, the big story of the day, uh, as uh, Tamar Hollerman with the AJC tweeted out earlier, a Fulton judge said Monday that he planned to keep private portions of a special grand jury report that recommends specific individuals be indicted following an eight-month criminal probe that examined meddling in Georgia's 2020 election. Robert McBurney, by the way, is the judge. He said he did plan to release three portions of the report later this week. Oh, this is going to be a good week, y'all. Including the introduction, conclusion, and section in which the grand jury, quote, discusses its concern that some witnesses may have lied under oath during their testimony to the grand jury. <gasps> As many smart people have already noted, I'm continuing with Tamar's tweet here, McBurney's order today all but confirms that the final report recommends indictments. The question now is whether District Attorney Fonnie Willis will agree. She heavily suggested that she would be pursuing charges at a hearing last month. Tamar continues via tweet, The spiciest question from McBurney's order, who might have lied to grand jurors? Sources have started offering their guesses. Fulton DA Fonnie Willis says she's satisfied with McBurney's order and doesn't plan to appeal the decision. Quoted in saying, I believe Judge McBurney's order is legally sound and consistent with my request. I have no plans to appeal today's order. As our friend and frequent guest, Jay Bookman with the Georgia Recorder tweets, So bottom line, there are indictments recommended. You don't withhold sections of the report out of fairness to those who might be indicted unless indictments are being sought. If you need to go ahead and schedule some time to sit back and wait on this to drop, the Washington Post is reporting that uh, the three parts of the report are going to be made public Thursday. There seems to be some sentiment within the Trump camp that Donald himself may avoid some charges initially. Uh, according to the Daily Kos, Laura Clausen, she wrote, Trump's lawyers are insisting that Trump will be vindicated because he was never called in or subpoenaed by this grand jury, they say. Quote, we can assume that the grand jury did their job and looked at the facts and the laws we have and concluded there were no violations of the law by President Trump. Well, that's just cute. So what's kind of maddening about that, honestly, is that, uh, well, this article came out, uh, I believe, over the weekend from the Washington Post as well. Uh, yeah, this one came out Saturday that laid out a timeline that went as such. The Trump campaign spent about $600,000 for outside researchers to get them to find data that proved that there was election fraud. Now, in a conference call in December of 2020, they told Trump that no such fraud occurred. 
Did you hear me? December of 2020, they told Trump and his campaign staffers that no such fraud occurred. Trump called Brad Raffensperger January 2nd of 2021. The following month, well, days after December of 2020. That's right. Donald Trump paid $600,000 to outside researchers to find proof of election fraud. In December of 2020, they could find no such fraud and told him that. So what does he do? He gets on the phone with Brad Raffensperger on January 2nd, just days into the 2021 New Year, and ask him to find, you know, a few thousand extra votes. Find a few thousand extra votes. How is this man not indicted yet? It just kills this. If you don't think the justice system benefits the well-heeled, the in-office, the white, well-heeled in-office versus everyone else, what else is it going to take for you to understand that? I... I'm mystified by anyone who doesn't see it that way. And, and the thing is, I, I, I'm almost of the mind that it's not that folks don't see it that way. It's that they're quite okay with it being that way. I mean, think about it. The list just keeps growing. There was the outside research firm that he spent $600,000, probably, I'm guessing, campaign money that his rubes kept sending him. Y'all, <laughs> I'm telling you, watch your loved one's bank accounts. If they're like of an old and somewhat feeble mind, maybe ask them if they don't mind you watching their finances for them. Because obviously, it's pretty clear they're easy marks. Not just for Trump, but man, I remember watching over my grandmother's stuff, the mail, the finances that were coming in, the stuff she was sending money to. It's like, wait, why were you doing that? Same should be done with this guy. So not only was he spending... His rubes hard-earned $600,000 to pay research firms to find evidence of fraud and then got word that they could find no such fraud. His attorney general told him he lost and then the acting attorney general after that told him he lost. His White House counsel told him he lost. His vice president told him he lost. His campaign manager told him. Data experts, campaign attorneys, Kelly Ann Conway, Fox News all told him he lost. And yet there he was on January 2nd, calling Brad Raffensperger. And on January 6th, standing before a few thousand of his supporters, insisting that they'd all been conned by this devious plan to subvert the true outcome of the election. And we all know what happened later that day, January 6th, 2021. How is this man not indicted. Now, in a separate piece written by Tamar Holloman with Hollerman with the HAC, Fonnie Willis has some of these state laws to focus on. Criminal solicitation to commit election fraud. And so that occurs when a person, quote, knowingly and willingly falsifies, conceals, or covers up by any trick, scheme, or device a material fact to any state or county government agency. Penalty, uh, a fine of up to $1,000 or one to five years in prison. Okay, $1,000 is nothing. Conspiracy, uh, that occurs when a person together with one or more others conspire to commit any crime and anyone carries out, quote, any overt act to affect 
the object of the conspiracy. Georgia law also has separate charge for conspiracy to commit election fraud. Felony conspiracy carries a sentence of at least one year imprisonment and up to half the maximum period of time for which he could have been sentenced if he had been convicted of the crime conspired to have been committed. Uh, there are also misdemeanor penalty, uh, penalties there. There's racketeering charges. Georgia's uh, RICO law, the Racketeer Influence and Corrupt Organization Act, uh, makes it illegal for, quote, any person through a pattern of racketeering activity or proceeds derived therefrom to acquire or maintain directly or indirectly any interest or control of any enterprise, real property, or personal property of any nature, including money. Penalties for felony RICO include 5 to 20 years imprisonment and fines of up to $25,000 or three times the value of money, property, or commercial interest a person made through their racketeering activity. That, by the way, is something not Donald has to worry about, but something some of his minions might. Then there's those who are in office who may have violated the oath of office. Public officers in Georgia take an oath to support the state and federal constitutions. If convicted, a public official could face one to five years in prison, according to the AJC. And here we go. Involvement in violence or threats related to election administration. Remember the two young ladies who were on the Fulton election, they were the volunteers at the Fulton County uh, election office? Georgia law makes it a felony for any person to use or threaten violence in a manner that would prevent or, quote, materially interfere with the ability of poll officers to execute their duties. Same thing for using or threatening violence to, quote, prevent a reasonable elector from voting or willfully tampering with, quote, any electors list, voter certificate, numbered list of voters, ballot box, voting machine, direct recording, electronic equipment, or tabulating machine, end quote. Penalties for such crimes include one to 10 years in prison or fines of up to $100,000. Some of those could be some of the minions that were threatening the lives of those poll workers. That one may actually cast a shadow on Donald himself. Okay, to circle back, Judge Robert McBurney has announced today that some of the Trump grand jury report will be released this week. The Washington Post reporting that that release will be Thursday, but McBurney also rules that most of the report being kept private. However, the implications of that privacy seem to loom large for those who would potentially be indicted. Like he's withholding some of this in order to give potential defendants an opportunity to prepare their case. Hmm. All right, let's talk a little Super Bowl. Not just some game highlights and historic moments, but of course Rihanna too. Duh, that's up next. More Ron Show on America One Radio after this. Oh, hey, you're still here. Hey, that's cool. Thanks for sticking around. Not only am I host of The Ron Show, I'm also Ron Roberts, real estate agent slash realtor with EXP Realty. That's right. I help folks buy and sell residential real estate in and around Metro Atlanta. And we've been through a crazy couple of years, have we not? Between COVID, the post-COVID market, the craziness. You could throw an open house on a souped-up tool shed, and you would have cars lined around the block to come in and see it and throw an offer well over asking price. Well, those days are no longer a part of us, and interest rates are a little higher than they were before. But I must say, it's still a great time to either buy or sell or both real estate, residential real estate, in Metro Atlanta. Why buy? I tell tenuous buyers all the time, if you are renting right now, 
You are paying someone else's retirement accounts your money, and it might as well go to you. The cost of housing in Atlanta is not going to get cheaper. The population is going to continue to grow well into the 2040s, with nearly a million and a half new residents expected to come here. So you better get a house sooner rather than later. And if you can afford to buy an investment property, now if you already own your home, why not buy one nearby you as well and create some additional income that could be your retirement savings and you get to choose one of your new neighbors. Now, if you're thinking about selling, but you're thinking, oh man, I really missed out on that huge market in the past summer or two. Okay, yeah, sure. But the values aren't dropping. So you still got plenty you've earned just by owning what you're in and need to sell soon. Got questions? Feel free to hit me up. 843-283-0078 or email me ron at rononthereal.com. Georgia MLS 396-720. Website rononthereal.com. That's me, Ron Roberts with eXp Realty.